0: And I asked my mom, well, what about me? Where where am I from? Where where is my family from? And and I remember feeling a bit distressed by that, not just not knowing. And she said that she knew that my my birth mother's family was Bahamian. I don't recall the rest of the conversation, but she said that I asked, well, what's that? What does that mean? Where where is that? She she told me the Bahamas. It was the third the summer after I finished third grade that we traveled to the Bahamas. We spent a week there because I was curious and just wanted to know a bit more about my origins. So I, I think I wondered in a more abstractly, where I was from, didn't really have a full concept of people in my family who, my birth mother might have been who extended family might have been or or my birth father. But I was curious to know where I was from. And that's a a complex question to ask many people of African descent, um, but right. particularly adoptees who are of African descent as well. So that was the first time that I remember asking and thinking, thinking about it.
1: Hi. It's Jennifer Diane Gostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. You may have wondered what reunion looks like from an adoptee's point of view, or be embarking upon taking that journey yourself to search for your first family, or simply want confirmation that you are not alone in your experience, wherever you are on the path of healing and pushing through a trauma. Wouldn't it be empowering to have many of your burning questions answered here? know me. My next guest has more than one layer of challenges to her adoption story that she will share with you in this episode. She was adopted by a same-race mother and raised in a rural part of New York State that was predominantly white. It wouldn't be until she entered the prestigious Howard University in Washington, D.C. at the age of 18 that she would become more acquainted with her black culture and identity. I find Nomi to be a joy to chat with as a member of the younger generation affected by adoption. We have something in common as it relates to at the beginning of our adoption, our adoptive parents being old enough to be our grandparents, not uncommon to many adoptees. She is new to the adoption community and gives much deserved credit to Adoption Mosaic founded by Astrid Castro for inspiring her to be connected to others who have experienced relinquishment at birth and go further along in the journey of self-discovery as an adoptee. Allow me to introduce you to Nomi someone I find to be introspective and so wise. She exudes respectfulness for others while at the same time honoring herself. She is willing to take one step at a time with a pace that best suits her as she learns more about her beginnings. I'm so glad she found me and we've connected through the community. No me. I'm so glad you're taking the time to have a conversation with me. Thank you. I'm I'm really
0: glad to be here.
1: What made you say yes to to having a talk about adoption and being an adoptee?
0: I have within the past year just had an opportunity to hear so many other adoptees share their story and it's it's been so meaningful and and really healing in a way to to just be in community with other adoptees. And you're one of those people. Just hearing you share was just really encouraging and just almost had an immediate connection with you. Just an opportunity to be a part of that.
1: Hopefully. Well, I thank you. I I just was thrilled to know that you are really a part of the community now. I know it's been recent. Why don't we start off with you sharing part of your story, wherever you want to start. Okay.
0: Um, I was born in St. Louis, Missouri. I was, I believe in a hospital in St. Louis, Missouri for about five days. And after that period of time, I was placed into foster care and lived with a foster family in Missouri for the first seven months of my life, minus those five days. The adoption, I was a part of a closed adoption through a private adoption agency in Missouri. I grew up knowing very little information about my birth family. My adoptive mother is from New York and uh, she was connected to this private agency in Missouri. So she traveled to Missouri for the adoption, met with my foster family. And at that point, I traveled back with her, first stopping to visit some of my adoptive relatives in Oklahoma and then traveling back to upstate New York. And I grew up in rural upstate New York and just in an environment that was... I'd say quite racially isolated. The adoption was a same race adoption. So my adoptive mother is African-American. And so really only with my nuclear family did I have access to people who looked like me.
1: Yeah, describe when you say rural mm -hmm. New York, describe that.
0: Yes. So I, um, I think that the population is probably less than 15,000, and it is a, an agricultural town outside of Albany, not too far from Albany, New York. Lots of people really live off of the land. Um, a lot of my friends growing up had cows and chickens, horses, lots of rolling foothills, really... Scenic, picturesque area, uh, but not a lot of cultural diversity. I'd I'd say I I grew up going to a lot of county fairs, going to a lot of friends' homes, swimming in ponds, going to lakes. It was somewhat an isolated area for me growing up.
1: Yeah. So would you say you did not have many, of any, Black friends?
0: I had... I'd say probably one really close black friend and she later moved away. So I'd say around middle school, she moved away. And other than that, my friends were all white.
1: Mm-hmm. So you've always known you were adopted. Yes. And do you remember when you learned that or, or you just have always known?
0: I don't remember when I learned. I, I, I remember my adoptive mother telling me that as as long as I knew how to talk and um, that's when she started sharing with me. And I remember growing up, I'd often ask her to tell me the story of my adoption
1: mm-hmm. and
0: um, and just kind of from beginning to end as she knew it. And uh, and she would tell me regularly. And I remember also her telling some of my friends as well, because I'd ask her to tell them, too. And so she she told the story from her lens, and and that's the story I grew up wanting to hear and um, wanting to share with other people as well.
1: So tell me, what was that story that you would ask her to tell you?
0: She talked to me about how there were a few people in her community who were wanting to adopt and had adopted. I, I believe they'd adopted through the agency that which my adoption uh, was completed. My mom had done some missions work in the Caribbean. She had initially thought that she would she knew she wanted a child. she initially thought that she might adopt kind of uh, internationally. Someone from the agency said well there there's a domestic agency and there's an African American baby, and why in a lot there are sometimes challenges with African American babies not being adopted as as much as you know, babies of other races and ethnicities, and so she said, "Well, why don't you?" try to adopt domestically somehow that's how we were connected with each other Mm -hmm. and so she talked to me about how she traveled to Missouri and how when she met me I was standing up in the crib staring at her she looked at me and she kind of got up to my level and said, we're in this together now and and had a conversation with me and how I screamed and cried on the plane all the way to Oklahoma because my ears hurt. And so there were lots of parts of the stories that she shared with me throughout the course and meeting my extended family in Oklahoma. So she she shared those parts with me.
1: So since you've always known you were adopted, I'm sure there were times that you would think about your family of origin and, and what were your thoughts about that?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I remember distinctly when I was in maybe first or second grade, we had a project in school where we were encouraged with our parents to think about our history. And I remember a lot of my friends saying, oh, well, my family's Italian or my family is is British. and, And I just was thinking and I asked my mom, well, what about me? Where where am I from? Where where is my family from? And and I remember feeling a bit distressed by that, not just not knowing. And she said that she knew that my my birth mother's family was Bahamian. I don't recall the rest of the conversation, but she said that I asked, Well, what's that? What does that mean? Where where is that? She she told me the Bahamas. It was the third, the summer after I finished third grade that we traveled to the Bahamas. We spent a week there because I was curious and just wanted to know a bit more about my origins. So I, I think I wondered more abstractly where I was from. Didn't really have a full concept of people in my family who my birth mother might have been, who extended family might have been, or, or my birth father. But I was curious to know where I was from. And that's a, a complex question to ask many people of African descent, um, but right. particularly adoptees who are of African descent as well. So that was the first time that I remember asking and thinking, thinking about
1: it. Mm hmm. And so. Did you want to see someone that looked like you, the mirroring that we often talk about in the community? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I did. I think that it wasn't until I got older that I realized that I wanted that mirroring as an adoptee in addition to as a Black woman. I didn't really... Start to think critically about my experiences in Adoptee until a little bit later in my life.
1: Mm -hmm. And so, you would you say you've been connected to the community for uh, about a year or less?
0: Less than a year.
1: Less than a year. And what sparked your interest in connecting with the community?
0: It just felt like it was time for me to start exploring some of the questions that I had a bit more deeply. And I remember there were times in the past when I would start exploring and asking questions, but I'd hit a dead end. And I just didn't have any resources or people who could guide me and just direct me and and invalidate my experience. And I, at times I felt frustrated And just having all of these thoughts and having all of these feelings, but having them alone. I did have a conversation with my therapist about about it and said that I I really want to explore more about some of these questions that I have about my origins, about my family. And I don't know if there are other opportunities I have in finding out more information about myself. Because my adoption is closed, I, I just that there were no options for me as far as finding more information and I realized that that wasn't necessarily true. My therapist found a resource for me. She actually directed me to Adoption Mosaic when I started attending some of the panels. Adoption Mosaic really works to support the adoption constellation and panels, discussions, it's really adoptee centered. And I realized, wow, there are so many of us out here who have stories to tell and just there's such value in being in community among other adoptees and it was validating for me. So that, that really helped for me to get connected. And then it seems as if the world just opened up after that first connection.
1: Yes. Adoption mosaic. Yeah, that comes up in, a lot as um, a dynamic resource for adoptees connecting to the community. And so those questions, who were you posing those questions to initially that you had?
0: Mm, Really the questions were just, just swirling around in my head. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't have anyone to bounce my thoughts off of and didn't even realize how isolated I was. Mm Mm-hmm because I didn't realize there were really communities that were focused on supporting adoptees. I knew that the thoughts that I had and, and the feelings that I had weren't wrong or bad, but I also had no one to validate my lived experience in the way that I think I was really longing, longing
1: for. Right. So, so I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. when you turn 18, I'm guessing you decide to go to a particular university. Mm -hmm. And can you tell me a little bit about your decision in that?
0: Yes. I attended Howard University when I turned 18. I can backtrack a little bit further because when I was eight years old, my mother got married. She married my late uh, stepfather, who was also a Howard University graduate. He attended law school there he was the one who really encouraged me to, as he described it, to experience the wider world. And he wanted me to branch outside of my hometown and to to just see and experience things a bit differently than the way I had growing up. And, and so I, I applied there. I initially, the, some of the other schools that I was looking into were in New York state and I was I was a runner I was a sprinter and so I thought okay I'm going to go to school and run track and you know be local in New York and I found Howard and I just fell in love with the brochure and visited the campus and said this is where I want to be and so I I applied there and I got in and I ended up running track there too I just walked on the team but it was he who really, I think, helped me to develop that interest in going to Howard.
1: And how was the experience at Howard? I mean, that's a prestigious university. What was that like?
0: It was incredible. At first, I had a lot of trouble adjusting. I think part of it was just I went from a rural environment to a city. And another part is... I was raised as an only child, and then all of a sudden I had two roommates in a small <laughs> a triple room, <laughs> um, and and I was in a hallway full of full of girls from around the world. I, I just felt like it was overwhelming in the best of ways, but it was a lot for me to process at once, and I did experience a bit of culture shock being there, especially the first year, but. It was an experience that changed my life and it really started to solidify who I was. It was the first time that outside of my mother that people acknowledged the part of my Bahamian identity because people asked a lot of questions about where, where you're from and mm-hmm. that was always complicated to explain as an adoptee. Like right. well, you're you're you have this Bahamian ancestry, but you've you've only been to the Bahamas once and right. you, you didn't grow up in a Caribbean family. And so that was complicated to explain. And I really don't think that I had the language at that point to explain it the way that I'd explain it today.
1: So they knew you would share with them that you were an adopted person. And, and I'm sure that would make a difference, right? Mm -hmm.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. I just Mm -hmm. talked to an adoptee, transracial, she's biracial and just learned recently that she is half black, half white, and never knew that. Actually, she just learned that very recently. She's at uh, the University of Tampa now, and she described to me how the black students on campus embraced her, literally said, come on and join our group. Like they, I guess in some way, they just saw her as one of them. When you connect with the black community at Howard, there's a lot you don't know because you're an adoptee. Do you find that you were embraced
0: Yes. And (laughs) there were also times that I felt like an imposter Mm. and there were just a lot of things that I didn't know just about the various black cultures, but also generationally, because my adoptive mother is, she's a few generations older than me. So I think there, there were some generational differences in addition to just those cultural differences. And I remember there would be times that we'd be sitting around in a dorm room and some songs would come on and everyone was singing. And I was just like, clearly, I don't know these words. Right. I can't really yeah. <laughs> fake the fact that I don't know the words. Or there were movies that I hadn't seen. And my friends would just look at me like I had five heads and just say, what? You've yeah. never seen that? Right. So those were the times that I felt exposed. And I had been found out. I I had a really great group group of friends. I think that over time they just kind of say, "Oh well, that's just no me." <laughs> it was still just something that I felt as like this is I feel different in this sense. And
1: yeah, you you have had to navigate what I would call uh, layers to your experience. I too had older parents who adopted me, kind of like old enough to be my grandparents. And Mm -hmm. so I do remember navigating that part of my friends' parents being much younger, a generation younger. And so there are differences in the generations and kind of how things go in your household and, and all of that. So you have that piece, and then you do have the cultural piece. You're seeing, wow, there's so many differences between me and others who are black that are my age. They've been raised perhaps a little bit different because their parents aren't old enough to be their grandparents. And are you taking a position where I'll just listen and learn? I know you mentioned feeling like an imposter. Do you give yourself some, I guess, space to say, well, this is something that happened to me, like I'm living with, and I just have to move through it. What were you kind of your thoughts about these things that you're having to deal with that others you're around, your friends and classmates are not having to deal with?
0: That's a good question. When I was in undergrad, the first year I remember listening a lot Mm -hmm. and one of the main reasons I remember listening so much is because I didn't think that I had much to contribute. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I really, I didn't know how I could add to the conversations or and I, I think even my ability to grasp certain nuances and in, in humor, I just could not grasp some things. Mm-hmm. And so when I think for myself, it, Felt like I was learning multiple languages at one time, and right. so I just didn't say much. I would engage non-verbally, and I did develop friendships, really one-on-one with with people. But among group settings, I I really didn't say much at all. I remember feeling quite introspective my first year, and in my second year, I think I really started to come out of my shell later, my sophomore year. But it took me a while to just absorb information. I don't know if I tried not to be too hard on myself. I think I was mostly just pretty anxious. Mm -hmm. And I I don't think that I was too critical of myself. But I just remember being very aware of not feeling like I quite fit in.
1: Mm -hmm. I know another adoptee described his not fitting in, so to speak, was when I get 18, I've got to get... He was raised by white parents. He's a black man. And he said, I got to get to a black school and I got to play catch up, is how he put it. Did you feel a sense of having to, like, watch these movies that they're talking about? I got to, like, get some of this that they've already had under my belt so that I can feel like like I know what their experience is that wasn't mine
0: yes I did and I think that catching up is is a really great descriptor of what what I was what I felt like I felt like I was just behind and I remember after I graduated I just wasn't I wasn't ready to leave that environment and and I remember telling myself, I just need to marinate, <laughs> marinate here for a little while longer. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. And, and so that's what I did. I, I stayed for a while. So.
1: I can't think of a better place than D.C., than Howard, to, I guess, so, so to speak, play catch up. And believe it or not, even in the Black community, I'm same race uh, adoptee. I don't recall... Not being exposed to say the movies and the books that all of us were reading and experiencing, but within the black community, there are others of us that are playing catch up too. That you know, Mm -hmm. just so you know, it's it's um, it affects all of us because we're in different places. We Mm -hmm. really are, and even though it may seem that you were at more of a disadvantage. I think just by going at the age of 18 to a Black university was a really good decision. I just think that played a major part in all the things that would follow as it relates to getting immersed in all that you had missed out on.
0: Yeah, I think so too.
1: Yeah. Um, You would stay there how long? How much longer would you stay?
0: I was in D.C. for 10 years.
1: Oh, okay. That's good.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I stayed for undergrad and then grad school as well.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. So being connected to the adoption community, I, I'm sure has already shown you the the rewards it has to offer. Is there anything that stands out as being probably the most beneficial right now? I know it's been a short period of time.
0: I think that just having just the mirroring and just knowing that there are so so many different different experiences and stories and and just ways that we are each unique and and ways that we are connected and the beauty in that and also just i think it, having some acknowledgement that there are a lot of challenges (laughs) that that are associated with just an adoptee narrative and for that to be validated as well for my feelings to be seen
1: Mm -hmm. those things have
0: been really important
1: and so you do feel seen and heard I'm sure in some of the spaces that you've been a part of
0: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and I know you're a writer you're a very good writer and has that been um, healing to write and share? Yes,
0: yes. Um, being a part of the writing group that, um, that you co-facilitate and, and Adoptee Voices has just been incredible. And for really for the first time to share share some of, some of the thoughts in my head has been really therapeutic. And to receive feedback as well. Mm-hmm. Been
1: amazing. Some writers say that writing itself, of course, is challenging, but sharing can be as or more challenging. Have, have you found that to be, be the case?
0: I actually really enjoy sharing. Oh, and good.
1: <laughs> I, do.
0: I I feel nervous every time it's my turn. And mm-hmm. I usually notice that after I share I find it a little hard to focus, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I enjoy, I enjoy the sharing. It's still something that feels very new and very vulnerable Mm -hmm. to me, but I enjoy, I enjoy it.
1: I think what Sarah Easterly created in Adoptive Voices is is just really special because Mm -hmm. I know writing is just challenging for me and I love writing. I've been writing a long time. And uh, sharing, as a matter of fact, a long time, but it's something really safe. I think when it's just adoptees, because I have been in spaces where it's, we'll say, mixed company. I don't feel the same nervousness. It's it's a different nervousness. Like I, like I know I won't be judged uh, in the community of adoptees. In the same way, or if at all, I don't even feel like I'm judged. I just feel like I'm I'm being seen. Then say in a group of non-adoptees, there's no way that a person that's not adopted can really know our experience. It's a different kind of I don't know challenge. We'll say if I share in the space that's just adoptees. I mean, it's a give and take. And I, too, enjoy the feedback. And you give such good feedback. Um, Aww, yeah. You. And you participate so well. So I think writing is just another tool that adoptees have to move through whatever we're feeling b- based on our lived experience.
0: Me, too. I, I really do. And I. this is the first writing group that I've been a part of. And I just think to myself, wow, how... How lucky am I that for this (laughs) first experience, it's among other adoptees, and I just feel so welcomed and supported and and safe. I just can't think of how I could have been at a more right place at at the right time. I think just hearing other people share, and uh, there was one essay that you shared, and I just remember thinking, oh my goodness, I like, think this is so beautiful, and that's just encouraging to me as well to continue to share. Just when I hear other people sharing, and just think, my goodness, this is just wow! <laughs> this yeah. is so incredible, and um, and that's how I felt when you shared one of one of your your essays. So, and that's encouraging to me.
1: Oh, thank you, and that is really the key. Uh, it's hard to be public, and it, it's very. It's, It's kind of tricky to do that, but when you know that someone else, well, it's healing on one hand for me, but when you know someone else is allowed to, I guess, move on in their journey because you shared or because you were public, that's, that's my why. Yeah. That's Mm. my why. And yeah, I'm so glad that you are a part of the community because we need you as much as you Need Us, I want to be perfectly clear. It's, it really is a two-way street. And just you taking the time out to to chat with me about it, to have this conversation today about your experience. All of our stories are very big, and there's no way to cover its entirety on an episode of a podcast. But certainly uh, what you shared today is big it's really big. And so you have shed light on that from your perspective. So I thank you.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's something that I've found, I guess, something that I've been thinking through for myself is that there are so many facets of so many adoptees experiences and stories that I feel connected to. And then there things about other adoptee experiences and and kind of meeting other same race adoptees of color and i think oh my goodness there's some there's so many of these things that that are validating to me and to my experience and and i think that's just something that i did not recognize didn't realize that there's so many ways that we're connected and there's so many things about each of our experiences that are unique and, and similar and, and we can support each other in so many ways.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and I know you're, this is all new. This is, you're you're uncovering or learning or discovering a lot and probably will for a, a while. And so hopefully you'll come back on as you move further along in your journey Yeah, Yeah, I would, I would like that because you, yeah, because there's going to be probably quite a bit you learn as you move closer to learning about your beginnings. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so in closing, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to share?
0: Um, I don't think so. (laughs) We we covered quite a bit. Yeah, we did.
1: We really did. (laughs) And, and I think that I know you're the younger generation, and I think I told you I'm so excited to talk to you. Like my son turned 31 yesterday, so you're his generation. <laughs> so I'm, I'm old enough to be your mom. And so to hear from, from you means so much to me. And to stay connected, I really look forward to that and learning more about you. And I think, too, you were born in... The eighties, mm-hmm. late eighties. Yep. And so from your perspective, it's a lot that I can learn. There's just so much mm-hmm. that you have to share. And then we do have some similarities as as we talked earlier about our our parents were older. And yes. and that definitely makes a difference. And so you're a young woman having to experience your mom being older, you mm-hmm. know, late late 80s. And that mm-hmm. has its own set of challenges. Do you consider yourself a millennial?
0: I do. Okay. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a, an older millennial. An like older millennial. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: And so it's, it's just a thrill to talk to your generation. So thank you mm-hmm. for that. And let's just make sure that we keep the lines of communication open. Yeah. yeah.
0: Definitely, it's just been such a gift to be in in community with you, and and just thank you for inviting me here to to have a conversation. Um, I'm I'm really grateful.
1: Yes, and so it means in closing for me, it means so much when the younger generation says, "Yeah, I don't mind talking to you." <laughs> <laughs> oh. I believe Nomi did a fantastic job sharing here as an adoptee just starting down this path of discovery and learning more to her beginnings. I was particularly struck by how Nomi wants to lean into the telling of her story based on more of the truth and not just what she had been told by others over the years. I don't know who coined our sharing as an emotional labor when we tell our adoption journey, but when I heard it, I agreed. It can be healing, but emotionally exhausting at the same time, especially when new to the community. I also subscribe to the immense importance of not oversharing when we as adoptees engage with the public. I'm honored when younger generations of adoptees accept my invitation to chat about their adoption experience. Nomi put me at ease for the entire length of our conversation, though I knew there might be things that are sensitive to discuss at this time. She's kind, soft-spoken, and an exceptionally good listener. Thank you, Nomi. I look forward to getting to know you better in the weeks and months ahead. On behalf of the Adoptee community, we are a resource for you, and we're all in this together. If you are an adoptee and would like to share your adoption journey, please visit JenniferDianeGhostin.com. Thank you so much for being here, and be sure and follow me on Instagram at Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land.